and welcome to episode 11 of the podcast. This is the Divisive Podcast, and again, I am your host. I have Miss L Boogie with me still. What's up, L? Hey. <laughs> hey, I kind of want to pick it right back up where we left off, because um, I think it's super important to talk about healing. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you, you mentioned that you want to get to the point where you're no longer healing, you're healed, and you're going through the journey of leveling up. Um, what has been your process in regards to healing in general? Um, one is talking to others about yeah. the stuff that I'm going through. Um, if it wasn't for me sharing my story uh, with friends, family members, um, my oracle... I have an oracle, y'all. Oh, that's dope. I'm a plugger. Her name is Madre Luna. She's hey. in P-Town. She's a bruja. Oh, uh, but wow. I know some Christians that go to her, so don't be scared. <laughs> she is of the light, y'all. Yeah. She is of the light. She yeah. doesn't do any dark magic. But yeah. um, if it wasn't for me talking to people through my traumatic experiences, what was traumatic for me, I would be probably in a insane asylum. Yeah. Or dead because I committed suicide. Mm -hmm. um, so it was important for me to talk to people. So that was a part of my healing journey, just being open to speaking to others. And you would be amazed, or maybe you won't be. People don't talk about their problems to others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially, like, especially as a Christian, because I grew up Christian, it was all about take your problems to God. Yeah, And sometimes that can be an abusive mentality. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you need to take it to someone who you trust. Um, sometimes you just need a container for someone just to hold for you as you just release and share. Yeah. Um, so that's been an important part of my journey. Um, that and then also um, just being, to op being open to learning from different people. Um, I've been through many schools of thought through this healing journey and finding out who I am um, and being present enough to know when that school of thought has closed. You yeah. know, for instance, I might be reading several books from a particular author, but then sometimes I get stagnant and it's like, OK, now it's time to move to the next level. There's more information out there that I need to tap into. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just been a little a little window peek inside of some of my journey. That's super dope, man. Um, <clears throat> one thing that I've learned, because I, I, I read this book called Anger from Thich Nhat Hanh. And one of the things that he points out in the book, and I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of this <laughs> of this <laughs> word, um, but I believe it's Barivata. And oh, it basically, Barivata. Yeah, it's basically the person who relieves suffering of another person by listening mm. but it's a deep listening it's a meditative listening okay and when you're listening um you're allowing this person to dump so much of their suffering onto you that it relieves their suffering mm -hmm. and i think that's a super important part of any journey because when you start to deal with those things that you feel like you really can't confide in anybody else with mm -hmm. it becomes um almost like a weight lifted off of your shoulder, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you talk about that process of giving it all to God, everything that 
I believe, you know, Christianity represents is all about relationships. So, and I don't want to get too religious or too deep, but if I look at the ministry of Yeshua, right, Mm -hmm. and I look at the reason why he existed on the earth, it was because the church was creating a gap between God and man with Mm. traditions and with laws. And one thing that he said was the traditions of man makes God's word ineffective because we start to operate in a way where we're so focused on the law and we're not focused on the relationship. And when I look at the ministry of Jesus, it brings everything back to the relationship because he was the one who pointed people in the direction of each other. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, in communion with each other, you would really have a communion with God because now you're entering into the presence of God by coming together. And like I said, I don't want to get too much into that, but that's good. When we start to look at each other and we start to share our experiences with each other, it allows us to be free. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like I said, when I was able to finally get to the point where I was able to share that experience of sexual abuse that I encountered. It allowed me to open up to so many more people. And next thing you know, (laughs) I had people (laughs) knocking on my door, literally during work times, just telling me about their experience. And they felt like they couldn't tell anybody else because they felt like they would be judged as they knew they were a victim. Mm -hmm. But then they would be victim blamed. Well, what did you do to get yourself into that position? And with me, I've, I've always been, I don't care what you believe. I don't care if um, everything that we believe is totally on, on two opposite sides of the spectrum. Because mm-hmm. um, I have a friend who's actually a bruja, right? Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's and um, she's super dope, man. She's into crystal healing and uh, Terrell's into Reiki. And um, my cousin's mom, she's actually a Reiki healer. And when you start to look at things uh, outside of that bubble that you normally live in, you see that um, everything is not evil, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> everything that we're taught is evil is, is not evil. So um, I look at the intent of a person. I look at how you treat me, how your character is. And that's mm-hmm. what I judge you. I don't I don't judge you automatically on your beliefs um, because I've. Like I said, I mean, plenty of times on this podcast, I've, I know a lot of Christians that I don't get along with. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of them that I don't because I feel like to me, I mean, John talks about the true faith. And when I talk about the true faith, I don't see them living the true faith. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and for me, that's that, that's a trigger for me sometimes because um, I have to let people walk their own walk. I can't make them walk the walk that. I see is is right. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. um, but that healing process is super important. And a lot of times I didn't know how to heal, especially being a a Christian. And I talk about this on uh, the transparency episode. Even when me walking in my faith, I was ready to commit suicide almost every day. Yeah. I mean, just to interject, I don't think I don't, when I was a Christian, I would say my teachings didn't give me room to heal. Mm. Because in order for your teachings to give you room to heal, your teacher has to have a message about you being strong on your own. Mm. And you reaching high heights. Yeah. Like 
it, it just seemed like when I was in church, everything was about the struggle and coming out of the struggle. Yeah. And it's like, how far can you go if that's always the message? Yeah. So I think in, in, in that instance, it's a little bit, it was a little bit abusive to me in that aspect. Yeah. Because I think the message is somewhat interpreted and uh, well, mis- misinterpreted what, what I meant to say. Um, when I study the ministry of Jesus and I just look at his ministry on the earth, one thing that I notice that a lot of pastors don't point out is that he took a lot of time away from other people. He spent a lot of time in meditation because once you are in a position to where you're always giving and giving and giving and giving, mm-hmm. you have to reset. You have to come back. You have to draw back and kind of refill yourself. And I think a lot of times we get so bogged down by distractions that we don't have the opportunity to reset. Um, I mean, you look at social media, you look at everything that we're designed to um like go to TV, radio, I mean, podcasts, I mean, social media, whatever it is, everything is built to distract us because once we finally get to a point where we're distracted, we can't focus on us. We become a hive mind and we become a part of this uh, society where everything is pretty much automated and mm-hmm. we were on autopilot for the majority of our lives until we finally realize that our life has passed us by. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. When we get to ourselves, it's uncomfortable and we don't want to be there. So then we fill it up with the drugs and the alcohol, the yeah. porn. Oh, yeah. The, um, all the things. Yeah. All the things people be indulging in. So what do you think is going to take? Because I know you said you want to get to that point where you're completely healed. What do you think is going to take to get you to that point of complete healing? Um, or are you there? Um, I'm, not, I'm not there yet um, because I still have the um addiction to food Mm -hmm. i thought i was over it but um last week there was a situation that had triggered me emotionally like um yeah it's like a romantic type thing kind of triggered me a little bit and i'm glad it happened though everything is perfectly everything happens perfectly in your life right so that happened and i found myself eating a whole lot that week Mm. And I was like, oh, that needed to happen in order for me to see that that addiction I got so cocky about that I overcame, I oh, didn't wow. overcome it. Yeah. So this is when this is when you are in a flow state, y'all. So like whenever like something happens in your life and then you're able to link it to something else and like, oh, this is why it happened. That's when you're in the flow state. You want to use those quote unquote negative experiences to be a driving force to let you know what direction you should be going in in your life. Exactly. So, you know, they're just situations. So I noticed that I was overeating this week and I was like, oh, okay, got to get this together. So I believe by doing this fast and completely resetting my physical body and also maybe doing meditation every day, I think once I get through that, I think I'll definitely be in a good place where I will be in a good place where then I can then focus on thriving. Yeah. Um, I'm already doing it a little bit now um, and I'm doing it through relationships so, like, I recently got back in town, and I'm actually being around people. Yeah. Like, I'm here doing this podcast. Yeah. You know, I appreciate I'm, it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, you know, back with my Fortresses crew, you know, the jazz band. I've linked nice. up with some artists. 
So, you know, that's a part, the relationship process, the friendships, things like that. Being with them and just saying, hey, what are we going to create today? What you want to do? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a part of it. Um, and then another part of it is just being comfortable with being myself. So I try my best to be as honest as possible. Yeah. Um, and that's a goal of mine every single day. Even if someone asks me how I'm doing, I've noticed that we're conditioned to say, oh, I'm finding you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that disgusts me. <laughs> So lately I've been trying not to say I'm fine unless I feel fine. Yeah. So if I'm having a great day, say, man, I'm having a great day. Or if I'm having a shitty day, I'll say, oh, I'm having a shitty day. How's yours going? Yeah. Because just because I tell somebody I'm having a shitty day, it doesn't mean I have to go into why I'm having a shitty day. Yeah. But at least I'm not tricking my brain into thinking that I have to lie to be accepted. Exactly. Because every time you say a small lie like that, like I'm fine and you're lying. Yeah. Don't think that goes unnoticed by your brain. Yeah. Ah, you just lied. Yeah. How does that affect you? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you start to mask yourself. Filter. Put, yeah, exactly. And um, then you start to live in that mask. I mean, and, and one thing I you know, we talked about with Terrell is literally going everywhere with a mask on. And then when you're coming home, you're taking the mask off and you see how, you know, terrible you look on, you know, on the inside. And it's like, man, how can I deal with this? And with me, I had to learn how to accept who I was, no matter what anybody thought about me, no matter what I thought about their reactions. Mm -hmm. My thing was, I can't place my validation in how they see me. So I'm not going to val I'm I'm not going to live my life by their validation. I'm going to live my life based on how I want to be seen and portrayed yeah. in my own eyes. And if they get it cool, if they don't, I'm super okay with that. That's powerful. Yeah. I know um I was with my mom and my sister last year. A family member had passed away. We went to go um and this was right before he had passed away, we went to visit him. Mm-hmm. So we're in like a hospital setting and me and my mom and my sister, we run into a family member. And this family member is, I think she's a doctor, you know, college graduate, all that mm. good stuff, living well. And um, I remember she was like, hey, how y'all doing? You know, what are you up to? And my sister, she works for Adidas. Mm. Um, you know, she's doing big things. She hey. worked with Beyonce. Yeah. You know, she's, she's, she's doing her thing. And me, what was I doing at the time? I was working, still same job I have now, yeah. being a courier. Yeah. Um, but when she asked me what I was doing, I told her I'm living my life. Yeah. And my mother got so nervous. She could not take it. She started spewing all of these things I've been doing. Oh, wow. Trying to and get... I was like, yo, I was like, no, no. I was like, I'm just living my life. <laughs> Trying to list off your resume of accomplishments. And I realized how uncomfortable people get. Yeah. When you say you're just living and you don't go into your accomplishments, which yeah. is actually absolutely terrifying because I just made a post on Instagram the other day and I said, I want to confess to y'all. I honestly don't reach out to niggas. When I say niggas, I just mean people. That's just how I talk. Yeah. <laughs> I don't reach out to niggas when I feel like I'm not accomplishing shit. Mm. And to be honest with y'all, that's depressing as fuck. Yeah. I'm going through that and I have to get past it. Yeah. I don't, I'm a Capricorn. Yeah, sure. That's a part of it. But outside of that, it's like, I'm not the only one. That's disgusting. Mm. 
you attach your accomplishments to the fact of you reaching out to people to hang out or do stuff, you don't feel like you're accomplished enough. Yeah, wow. That's bad. That's bad, man. That's terrible. <laughs> man, but I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> I you can know? definitely relate. So that's a part of the, the, the uh, something I want to heal as well. Yeah. But that forces you to now be honest and truthful about the relationships in your life. Because once you realize that flaw in yourself, you can no longer maintain the fake relationships in your life. Yeah. Like that forces you and people aren't comfortable with that. Yeah. Because they might have a friend that attaches them to a status quo of some type or might make them look good. Yeah. But if that relationship isn't real um, and it's based off of your accomplishments per se and they don't appreciate you as just being you, Mm. then you have to let that go. Exactly. Yeah. Like I know um, I was supposed to link up with my Oracle last week and I was like, oh, I can't make it. I got to get my hair braided. And I said, you know what? I hate canceling on people. I'm going to definitely like buy you lunch. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest. My intent for that was because I felt less than Mm. my intent wasn't out of like, I don't know, kindness or something. And because she's all knowing, she's a bruja. Yeah. I ain't going to say all knowing, but she's big knowing. Yeah. She was like, you don't have to do that, mama. Like, nah, just bring yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's someone you want to have in your corner because they're intuitive and they're connected to you and they can feel when you're like not as confident as you should be. Yeah. And you as a person. Yeah. Like, no, you just can't make it. You don't have to supplement that with buying me lunch. You just can't make it. (laughs) Exactly. That's that yeah, people pleasing yeah, aspect. Like, oh, yeah. You have to kill that. And yeah. somebody give me a pill for that. How do we kill people pleasing? <laughs> that people pleasing pill killer. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, you resonate man. with that. You get that? I do because that was that was my life. Oh. That was my life for the first twenty nine years of my life, man. Oh. I wanted everybody to accept me because that's just how I felt. Like I felt like I existed to be the people pleaser. You know, I existed to be the one that everybody could count on. And then I just realized, man, like when you are used to being the one that everybody can relate to and count on. And then when you finally reach out and you need help and nobody's there, it's like, man, that's bad, especially in relationships. Because a people pleaser, when they get in relationships, they lose their identity. Yeah. And you're no longer yourself when you're with that person. Yeah. And yeah. So that's one reason why I wanted to correct that before I get married. Because I don't want my marriage to end in divorce because I met this person and I'm just like, I'm going to become you. Yeah. Yeah. Because that can happen. I mean, it happens to people. It does. I think Denzel Washington in the, I can't think of her name. They made a movie about it. What was that movie called? Uh, Was it Fences? I think it was Fences. Yeah. Yeah. Where at the end she was like, I gave up my life for you. Yeah. (sighs) That was all of our grandmothers. Yeah. All, pretty much most of them. Yeah. They gave up their life for our grandpas. Yeah. They got cheated on, dogged on. Now the bills was taken care of. Tell me about it. He came home every night, honey. (laughs) But our grandmas went through some They went through some stuff. (laughs) Man. (laughs) I had this perfect image of my granddad, man. And God rest his soul, man. My grandma just passed uh, last Mm. month. And... I had a heart to heart with my grandma when I came of age and I was like, Grandma, mm. um, how did you and you know, granddad last so long? And she was like, Baby, I went through some stuff. 
And when she started telling me some of the stuff she went through, I was like, no. They ruined it for us. <laughs> that image. Yeah. yeah. So I thought y'all just had this long 45, 50 year <laughs> great marriage. No bitch. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but for me, it, it put a lot in perspective. Because that was a lot of weight I was carrying, especially in my first marriage, because I felt like oh, yeah. I had to be perfect. Everything had to be perfect because I had to be this certain guy in order for me to last. And the thing I just realized is that we just weren't compatible. And wow. what I'm going through with this marriage now and me and my wife, we just talking about this. It's more of she accepts who she is. I accept who I am. And we came together accepting each other you know in the beginning we we struggled because at one point in time we tried to change each other to fit and i mean egos were clashing (laughs) egos were clashing for does that happen on a small level or is it a big level like are you trying to change something big about them like their goals or so what i've realized um and this might be a little heavy but i realized a lot of what my intentions were based in was ego and insecurity um, I felt like I wanted her for me. I didn't want anybody else to have access to her. Mm. And she felt the same way. She didn't want anybody to have access to me. Oh, I connect with that. Oh. <laughs> but, but what I realized was that that's, that's literally a deep insecurity that we face because we feel like we're treating each other as property. And we're not property. Mm. Our job is not to make each other happy. Our job is to bring... She's happy on one end. I'm happy on the other end. And let's bring our happiness together to create more happiness. We're not, hey, I'm missing a piece of myself and you are the piece that I'm missing. Um, so let's come together and make make us whole. No, we need to be two whole beings on our own and come together to create one greater being. And I think going through that 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 pain, man, in the beginning, we, we finally realized that this year, a lot of what we tried to happen, a lot of what we tried to do to change each other was just based on ego. And we saw the pain and the turmoil that it caused both of us. Because when we finally decided to accept each other for who we were um, and just live, I mean, the, the small arguments just kind of went away. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> we were literally reflecting on this today. Like, when's the last time we had a big argument? Because yeah. like, wow. it, it was like clockwork for us. We were literally... I mean, we would go a month or two without an issue, and then we'd have a major argument. Yeah. Major argument. Almost to the point of, hey, look, I'm done. And um, I thank God, man, because this is, it's more about us maturing as individuals mm-hmm. and me not putting expectations on her that she can't commit to, and her not putting expectations on me that I can't commit to. Mm hmm. It's about us finding a way to work together in jail. And, and for us, the biggest issue that we had was that we had a blended family. So my four kids from my marriage and then her son from a previous relationship. That's hard. <laughs> Free couples therapy. You know what's so interesting? So I'm glad y'all can't read mine. So y'all don't know who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, like, so I hang out with this person and, you know, they have a kid and I was hanging out with them. And, like, 
whenever I'm hanging out with them, right, they never really check their cell phone, like mm. ever. Mm. You know, um, one thing I noticed, like when we're together, uh, the time expands. So it's like we overcome time and space when we're together. Yeah. And that for me lets me know that's a healthy, whether it's a romantic relationship or anything, that's a healthy connection with another human being when you can just overcome time and space yeah so um we're hanging out and all of a sudden i see the phone ring and he's like oh i've been waiting on this call there she goes and then my heart drops down Mm. to my stomach i'm like what the (laughs) so now i feel myself getting into attitude mode he gets on the phone he starts talking he goes into another room I can still hear the conversation. Yeah. So, of course, I'm like eavesdropping. Yeah. So, after he gets off the phone, um, we head somewhere because we had to go take care of some business. And I'm pissed. Yeah. My stomach hurt. And I had to check myself. And I said, okay, you can sit here and manifest all this nasty behavior if you want to. Mm, yeah. Or you can just be honest and vulnerable and just say something about it. Yeah. And that's what I chose to do. Like, yeah, look, you know, starting to kind of catch feelings for you. And, you know, yeah. it's the only reason why I'm going to say something. But you took a phone call and, you know, it just uh, seemed like it was like a romantic connection or something like that. Yeah. He's like, oh, that's just my child's mother. Mm. That's just my child's mother. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so in speaking to the whole blended family type thing, yeah. I know people go through this stuff. You know, because my stepfather was going through it. Mm. You know, his new woman doesn't want him talking to my mom. And they have a child together. Yeah. She gets a little jealous about it. So I get that. Like, that's the thing that people go through. And that was my first time having that experience. Because usually I don't deal with people with kids. Because I don't have kids. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. It's a different dynamic. Who are you you talking to? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But you you, you can't can't do that. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. Especially when. You feel like you have to split your time and you don't want to feel like you got to choose. Okay, do I choose my woman or do I choose my kids? And it's it's, it's extremely difficult. But one thing that um, that's why I appreciate my wife, man. She really gave me the opportunity Mm -hmm. to kind of find out how I need to work everything and and make this thing work. And um, honesty and communication is probably the most important thing, because, I mean, you can you can be clouded by certain thoughts or judgments that you create that may not even be the case. And you're creating a whole nother issue that doesn't even exist. Exactly. Yeah. What if I wouldn't have said anything? Yeah. I would have just held on to them feelings. Yeah. I probably would have never picked up another phone call from this person. Yeah. It would have been in my own head. So you're right. You do have to communicate. And if, you know, and yes, that did put me in a vulnerable position because now he knows my feelings. Yeah. So, but I was like, I have to eat it. I just got to eat that like that. Well, those are my feelings. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, you do have to effectively communicate. Um, My mother, my mother had a divorce and she tells me to this day that communication was a big part of it. Yeah. You have to be good communicators. Yeah. And I I think communication is just so broad. I know with me, what what works for me is whatever I'm feeling at the Mm -hmm. time. I convey it, whether it be negative, positive, wow. whatever it is, because I, I, I want to be an open book and as tr- transparent as possible because mm-hmm. I don't want any way, um, I don't want anything else to be able to enter in and create 
a divide where there is no divide. Right. So a lot of times um, it's, it's, it's so hard because it's, it's such a thin line that you have to walk sometimes. And sometimes I get tired of walking that line. I get tired of walking on eggshells. So I'm like, hey, look, this is what I'm thinking. This is what it is. That's why I need that real partner who yeah. loves you for who you are. Yeah. Because if you don't have that, they're going to be like, oh, I don't like this person. Yeah. And what I, what I you know, used to do was just kind of internalize everything. Mm-hmm. And then I'm having, <laughs> I'm literally having arguments in my head. Yo, yeah. <laughs> with what she's, what I think she's going to say. And I'm having all these different conversations in my head going on at one time. And what I found out is that distance creates distortion. So I start distancing myself from my partner. And then what I find out is that I'm creating this false narrative in my head that something's happening that's actually not really happening. And I'm creating more stress and more trauma on myself. And then I project that onto my partner. And she's like, okay, what the heck? Like, where is this coming from? You created your own reality. Exactly. Yeah. That's wild. That it, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You created your own reality and then rendered it here. And she was like, I don't want no part of this reality. What's this? Switch it to the other one. I don't like exactly. this. Exactly. But in the beginning, it was because she's she's about six and a half years younger than me. So in the beginning, her first wow. uh, mechanism was defense. Mm-hmm. And her line of defense is, nigga, I don't care about you. That's what I was thinking in my head. Nigga, nigga, no. Yeah, like, okay, nigga, I'm thotting and bopping. I can do what I want to do. Yeah, do what I want to do. Shit, yeah. I'll call him up. Yeah, so, and, and, and that's where the struggle starts to happen because my ego is in it because I'm thinking something that's happening is actually not really happening. Right. And then her defense mechanism is, you know, the fight or flight is kicking in and her defense mechanism is, okay, nigga, I'm flighting. I don't need you. I can go somewhere else and deal with this. And that's what we dealt with in the very beginning, man. And I, uh, I'm just glad that we're in the position that we're in now. And um, to be able to be open and honest with her and for her to be open and honest with me, I don't care what it is, man. Um, I'm just grateful. We need more examples. Yeah. We do. We need more examples of healthy relationships because... People say, oh, we need more black love, more black relationships. No, we need more healthy relationships. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We can have marriages all day. Yeah. But there's so many people who are married. Yep. Who haven't, you know how many men and women I've met who haven't had sex with their husband or wife in years? Yeah. What the? No. Living in the same house Come in on. two separate rooms. Cheaper to keep it. And they will tell you. Yeah. Yeah. You deserve, we deserve more than that, y'all. Yeah, I will say, man, um, the internal struggle I had with my last marriage, I confided in a lot of different people. And and Mm -hmm. one particular family member told me that I was going to end up just like my dad if I left my ex-wife. How did your dad end up? Not a good situation. Okay. I didn't know that was a good or a bad thing. <laughs> Definitely not a good situation. So they wanted you to stay even though yeah. it was not working. Yeah. Because they didn't care how they didn't care about how I felt. And um the thing was a lot of that was my fault because every time they saw me I was happy or I projected happiness to them. Um I mean because it's you get so used to being able to put on a certain face for certain individuals. Mm-hmm. And when you finally start to tell them what's really happening, they're like, Hey, nah, this bro, you tripping. Like, that's not, the, that, that's not the case. I know someone. So she don't act like that. 
And um, I say my cousin, man. Hey, shout out Jay Vance, man. That's my that's my that's my dude, man. He's like my brother. Um, dude was my saving grace, bro. Cause I I literally I, I can talk to him about anything, mm-hmm. and he keeps it one hundred with me. I mean, he'll give me the good, the bad, the ugly, and all I need to do is just talk to him. Um, and his perspective alone will just kind of open up certain ideas for me. Um, and the funny thing is, like I said, he doesn't even believe uh, my my train of thought. He don't believe anything that I believe in. He completely rejects it. Mm-hmm. But we're so close that he understands that there's a respect level that we have to have with each other. And even if we have that conversation about belief and about religion, he doesn't treat me any differently. I don't treat him any differently. And man, our bond is so tight. Like I would die for that dude. I'm I'm pretty sure he would die for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We talk on a daily basis. And um being able to have somebody like that in my corner, man, it just he literally helped open my eyes to certain things. And ultimately I have to be happy for my kids. They have to see I, I don't want to portray a fake image of life to them. And they know what's going on behind closed doors. They know that I can't love their mother oh, the same know. way. Yeah. They're but so intuitive. They are. You can't, I mean, you can't hide nothing from no kids, man. No. Yeah. Why do you think some kids don't be messing with their parents like that? Because their parents, it's fake as fuck. Yeah. They ain't real. You know <laughs> it's, yeah, it's difficult. And, and yeah. man, I was talking to my brother today. My family is super dysfunctional. <laughs> like, so my, <laughs> my grandma just passed last That's month. That's when all the dysfunction comes out. Yeah, but it's like I, I evaluated everything today, man, and mm-hmm. I finally was able to reach out uh, to a cousin because he needed a favor, and um, he reached out to me, and we were able to kind of hook up everything together. And he brought his brother, and I haven't seen my cousin Sean in almost twenty years. Wow! And when I look at my my family as a whole, a lot of my cousins decided to kind of shun the whole family. I've got four or five cousins that I haven't seen in 20 years. Mm-hmm. And when you look back to this source of trauma that's happening, it's ridiculous. I mean, my on my mom's side of the family, man, she had uh, six brothers and sisters. Four out of the six are displaced. They have nowhere to stay. And it's like, and this is all at one time. Like, this is literally happening right now. And the trauma that they went through, the the psychological issues that they went through, they still have not been able to get over it. And I don't want my kids to be in that position. Yeah. I don't want to see, I don't want them to see me in that position. So I understand why I haven't seen my cousins in 20 years, because they understand that that trauma. And the first thing they want to do is get away from that negative energy. And that's some of the same things that I, I had to learn to deal with. Um, sometimes you have to separate yourself from the people who will hold you down. Yes, you do. Even if they're family members. Yeah. Yeah. That's real stuff. You see lots of blog articles on that nowadays, which means people are definitely waking up and being open to the idea. Yeah. Because before, people just felt so... Uh, like their identity of who they are was rooted in... Being a mother, a father, a sister, or a brother. Um, And, you know, with each one of those titles, you have to be a certain way. 
and it's like, no, you actually don't. Yeah. That's a role you are in. Not a role, but that's based off of blood. This is who you are. But, you know, for instance, if you are a daughter or a son, you don't always have to be at your parents' beck and call. Exactly, yeah. You don't, especially, you know, when it comes to like a mother or a father who lost their partner and now they're relying on their children to fill that void. To fill yeah. that void. Yeah. Sometimes the parent will stifle the child's growth. Yeah. To the point where they don't create strong children and the children have to always rely on their parents even as adults. Yeah. Um, yeah, that happens. I know it's even like kind of happened to me, like when I graduated high school, because um, my parents split up when I was young. I moved in with my father and I feel like me and my father uh, on an energetic level uh, was making up for lost time as a child. Mm. Even though he did get me every other weekend, it's not the same as living in your parents' household yeah. your entire childhood. Just seeing them on the weekends, that's not the same. Yeah, you definitely don't, not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't get to see each other in your whole capacity. You put on your best outfit if you're just together for like a day and a half. Exactly. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. when I came back home, I just noticed my dad wanted to do everything for me. And I got lazy. Didn't have no drive to leave the house or anything. Mm. But that is because we were reliving our childhood in his younger years as my father. So, you know, parents do have to definitely be careful with that. Yeah. I think the whole goal, and this is one reason why I'm happy I waited and haven't had children so far, is to just raise very strong children and not put my identity onto them. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Because they are amazing beings. I just want to be able to give them the tools they need so that they can shine. Yeah. And that was one thing that I discovered just recently. <laughs> um mm-hmm. And I, like I said in the first couple of episodes, I had to apologize to them because I kind of projected my trauma onto them because of the way that I grew up. And I felt like that was the best way to raise a child. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we went through some abusive situations. We went through a lot of uh, verbal, physical and mental abuse. And I love I love the way I turned out, <laughs> even if I could have you know, uh, take away some of those circumstances. And, um, to some people mentally, if they go through that, it it does something different to them. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I don't know why, but for me, my resolve has always been different. Um, so I've always been able to kind of internalize everything and, uh, try to use it to my benefit. Even though I went through some very dark times, I went through some very, um, suicidal times. Um, and I think a lot of that was the trauma that I went through, but being able to work through that trauma at 19 years old and having twins, I realized that I was raising them on the same traumas that I was raised on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know what it projected in their psyche, but, um, I'm hoping to kind of undo that damage at this point. Um, and I, I saw that recently just by how I interact with my daughter. Now she's one and, just how I am mentally now. And I know I'm in a better mental space than I was when I was 19. Mm -hmm. I can see the difference. (laughs) The Mm -hmm. stuff that used to uh, be important to me as a parent and trying to teach them discipline and teach them certain things, man, it's not important at all. Yeah. Because what are you teaching them when it comes to discipline? Yeah. 
like I know with the discipline that I'm aware of and how my mom raised me and how most parents raise their children, the discipline sets them up for following rules and orders as an adult. Where I think discipline is good to be taught, but it's self-discipline. Yeah. So it's being in tune with your child and maybe hearing your child say, oh, I want to do a lemonade stand. And then making sure that you're there to support your child. Exactly. As they go through that phase. Or if they start not doing it, say, hey, you said you wanted to do a lemonade stand. You know, do you want to stick to your word? Yeah. Because that might be a good idea. You might feel a boost of confidence if you do it. Well, what's confidence? And then you get into the conversation. Yeah. You know, I think discipline in that aspect is good for kids. Yeah. And and I've learned as a parent that, um, you know, we grew up in that do as I say, not as I do type era. And uh, the most successful way of parenting to me, and I've seen this through my kids, is doing and then having them do with you. Um, because you don't want to be that person that does one thing and that says one thing and does another because they, they need to be able to see that example of change. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that's extremely important and I'm just glad to be able to be a father of six, man. Um, that's huge. Yeah. Man, I'm proud of y'all. Six? Six, man. I'm trying to have like six too. That's what's up. Yeah. I'm with it, man. And it's crazy because I didn't even want kids. What? Um, yeah. Wow. But man, I just, the joy of coming home. And I mean, people always say that the dog is a man's best friend and you see the amount of loyalty that you get from a, from an animal, but the amount of loyalty you get from kids, man, they don't see your flaws. Mm. They don't see you as whatever it was that I was dealing with. You know what I mean? They don't see me as a suicidal person. They don't see me as the bad husband. They see me as dad and like. Yeah. For the longest time, nothing could change that image of them in my head and, and image of me in their heads. And that's something that I always want to live up to. Mm-hmm. And that gives me drive. That gives me focus. That gives me purpose, man. And mm-hmm. being able to pass that on to them and the amount of confidence that I have. Because I'm, I'm 100% open with them. I'm mm-hmm. transparent on everything because I want them to know that life is not perfect. And the mistakes that I've made has led me to the person that I am. Um and my experience could help them overcome so much. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just it's just such an awesome experience being a father, man. Um, oh, I love to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. We discussed such a wide range of topics here. <laughs> it's been great. Yeah, definitely. I got to have you back on, man. Um how can how can the folks reach you, man? Instagram, Facebook. You guys can call my phone. No, I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm on Instagram. I post a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I delete stuff too. I'm an avid deleter. <laughs> if you're on my Instagram, I delete you. To me, I don't fuck with you no more. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. No, but you can reach me on Instagram at the corn goddess. The corn goddess. Hey, hey, there we go. Oh, man. Thank you guys so much for listening. That was episode 11 of the podcast. Uh, We appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll see you next time.